Production support for Noon Edition comes from Smithville. Fiber internet, streaming TV, home security, and automation in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com. And from Bloomington Health Foundation, providing financial support to the community for 55 years, promoting healthier lives and the advancement of future health care in our region, working together for a healthier tomorrow. More at bloomhf.org. And from Estate and Downsizing Specialists, LLC, offering complete turnkey services for estate and downsizing clients, from initial consultation through home cleanout to final real estate and personal property sales. More at edsindiana.com. Welcome to Noon Edition on WFIU. I'm your host, Bob Zaltzberg, along with co-host Lori McRobbie. Today we're talking with a couple of legislators and Brandon Smith, who covers the legislature, about this year's session. Our guest, besides Brandon, and I should give Brandon a proper introduction, he's the State House Bureau Chief for Indiana Public Broadcasting, the host for Indiana Week in Review, and he's a 12-year State House reporter. We also have Senator Shelley Yoder, an Indiana senator for District 40, which includes uh, Monroe County, and she's Assistant Minority Caucus Chair, and Senator Eric Bassler, who's Indiana senator for District 39, and Assistant Majority Caucus Chair in the Indiana Senate. If you have questions or comments for us, you can reach us by phone at 812-855-0811 or toll free at 877-285-9348. You can also send send your questions to news at indianapublicmedia.org or you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. Well, we're really happy to have you. Senator Bassler, I think this is your first time with us and Senator Yoder, you've been here before and Brandon is a veteran of our airwaves. So, uh, I want to start with Senator Eric Bassler because as a member of the uh, Republican Party and the, the who has super majorities, what are you looking for in this year's session? What what are some of the priorities that you've set? Yeah, I think that um, one one priority, and I, and I think this is something that is, is probably on a lot of people's um, radar screen, a lot of people's agenda, um, has to do with health issues both both physical health and then also mental health issues um and, and i guess i guess start off with um what we would consider uh, our, our most important bill is why it's referred to as senate bill one um has to do with mental health um i think that's probably not surprising to to anybody uh that's sort of paying attention to what's going on in the world today and what's been going on for the last really number of years. Um, it's not just a challenge in Indiana, but it's a, a challenge throughout the country. But um, we, we have a lot of challenges uh, with respect to um, addiction, um, alcohol addiction, drug addiction. Um, there's a, a significant mental health issues. And I'm not a mental health expert by any means, but when I do talk with them, it seems like there's a there tends to be a kind of intersection between uh, a lot of the addiction problems that we, we have in, in the state uh, with mental health issues. Um, and so we have Senate Bill 1, which uh, hopes to expand uh, the community health, um, mental health model uh, throughout the state of Indiana. So it would be easier uh, for people to have access um, uh, to, to mental health counselors. Um, and and to go back just for a second, if you look at what happened during the, the COVID uh uh, pandemic. Um, I think that even compounded some of the challenges we have with mental health in Indiana. Uh, and it's really something that touches all all social and economic classes, all all, um, all, 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 all races, all religions, all, all ethnicities, uh, all ages. Uh, I know that there's a lot of challenges with young people today, um, uh, college age kids, high school age kids, uh, when it comes to mental health issues. So we're Hoping to move the needle on that uh, this year, um, with with both um, with more um, community mental health, but then also more funding for it. Um, and then let me just talk real quick about um, more physical health issues, and then I'll, I'll turn it over back to, to Senator Yoder or back to you. But okay. um, that's another thing that the the, the governor uh, had a commission that, that worked, I believe, for maybe two years. Um, 
no matter almost any metric you look at in the state of Indiana when it comes to physical health, um, Indiana uh, fares poorly. Uh, whether it's, whether it's the you know the you know the bottom ten or the top ten, depending upon which metric you're looking at, uh, you know whether it has to do with uh, declining life expectancy, um, whether it has to do with uh, obes- obesity, um, again addiction problems, alcohol consumption, smoking, um, you know high blood pressure. I mean you you name it, and 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 Indiana generally does not fare well when compared to the other other uh, 49 states. And so the governor is wanting to uh, push significant funding uh, towards local health departments to try to try try to start moving the needle. And we are going to have to be patient with that because the needle is not going to be moved in one year or two years. Uh, it, it could take a number of years. So we as legislators are going to have to be patient and be in this for the long run. I don't want to talk too much and dominate the show. So okay. let me turn that back over to, to you. All right. So Senator Yoder, is there common ground on these issues with the Democrats, the mental health issues and, and other health issues? I think there is common ground for mm-hmm. sure. As a matter of fact, it's interesting because I think the governor's initiative is going to need the help of the Democrats to get this across the finish line and to make sure that there is sufficient funding there to actually achieve what needs to be done in order to begin reversing some of the impacts that we are now seeing as a result of lack of support for local public health initiatives, prevention, education. I wanted to add to the physical health and mental health, reproductive health. Mm -hmm. Um, After the summer session, we need to do a better job of increasing access to birth control and contraceptives and take a bigger picture. I know that right now SB1 is sort of held up. It's not sort of. It is being held up in the courts, and we will uh, hear what the what access to abortion care is in Indiana following their decision. But for right now, there's a lot we can do. And I, I was proud. I had my first bill heard and moved through committee. Uh, to increase access to long-acting reversible contraceptives, and that will be heading to the floor of the Senate next week, hopefully. And I think that's a really important piece of this as well. When we think about mental health, when we think about physical health, there's so much that we can do uh, that doesn't cost anything when it comes to at least mental health. You know, how we other people, and I would put other in quotation marks. How are we going to be the kind of Indiana that truly is a welcoming home to all? I know that we've had in the last several weeks a very Mm -hmm. disturbing incident in our community in Bloomington, but it's not just, um, you know, how we speak of people who might come from a different country. It's people, uh, LGBTQ people, individuals, uh, and women, Mm -hmm. girls. And you know, the conversation that we heard through the special session this summer and some of the legislation that's been filed, I have met with families uh, who have trans children, and they're terrified. Uh, they are you know, horrified, terrified, and, and incredibly concerned <clears throat> on how they're going to be able to uh, continue calling Indiana home if their child mm-hmm. and themselves are feeling as though there's a target on their back. So I agree. I mean, I think that we can find common ground and this is an area that we all need to work together and really do a better job of articulating and then carrying out in the legislation that we file what it means to be a Hoosier and being a place where everyone can call Indiana home. Brandon, I want to ask you, uh, where do you see the, these health issues and mental health issues fitting into this year's session? I, I mean, Senator Bassler mentioned it. It's a priority of pretty much everybody. Um, we see in the Senate, as he talked about the mental health bill, um, uh, directing more resources to um, community mental health centers and the 988 uh, mental health crisis line that, that can be really useful. And you sort of see it's not a companion bill, but it kind of is over in the House, which is one of their top priorities, is a bill that um, one of the biggest issues we have in mental health is that one of the the largest referrers for mental health in the state of Indiana and, and, and the country is the criminal justice system. And that's not good for anyone. Um, people with mental health challenges are winding up in our county jails 
more than they are in treatment centers and county jails are not you know no one thinks that's where folks with mental health challenges should be treated because that's not where they're meant to be treated so that bill would uh, direct more people away from the uh, the jails who have mental health uh, challenges by allowing law enforcement officers to refer them to mental health treatment but of course that only works if we have those places where they can go and that's how the senate bill kind of comes in to play there. So I think those two in tandem are working on the mental health issue. Uh, Senator Yoder sat through the same um, public health um, bill that I sat through um, uh, this week, and uh, she points out that it, it might be Democrats who need to help the governor pass this bill. And, and I think part of that might be because uh, the pushback we're seeing on the public health system uh, portion of the session, um, uh, Senator Bassler pointed out it was a two-year study uh, that the governor's public health commission did. Um, in addition to all of those poor health metrics that Senator Bassler rightly pointed out, um, we're also one of the worst in the country for our spending on public health. And that's partly, you know, what we're trying to address this session. For, to give you an example of how far behind we are, um, currently, we're sending local health departments around the state somewhere in the range of 10 to $20 million a year to do, to provide the services to Hoosiers. To, to Hoosiers who need them, 10 to $20 million a year, not per health department, that's for the entire state. And what the governor is proposing is to jump that up from 10 to $20 million a year to, in the first year of the new budget, $127 million, going up to 200, um, uh, or 100, excuse me, $120 million, going up to $127 million in the second year of the budget, and potentially even more after that, based on the, the Public Health Commission's recommendation. And that enormous increase would only put Indiana in the middle of the pack in terms of public health spending among the 50 states. So it's a huge lift, um, but the pushback we're seeing so far is from folks who were <clears throat> extremely unhappy during the COVID-19 pandemic with uh, the stay-at-home order, with mask mandates. Um, they're anti-vax. Uh, they are, uh, quite honestly, some of what we heard was spreading lies and misinformation about vaccines in general during that meeting. But in the legislature, you have folks um, generally in the Republican caucuses who still um, don't maybe trust local health departments. But more than that, they're also fearful of a state takeover of local public health departments. And that's not what the bill does, as anyone who will read the bill or has been involved with the bill will tell you. But there is that fear out there. And I think either overcoming that fear or cobbling together you know, enough votes between the Republican and Democratic caucuses is how this bill crosses the finish line, if it does. You know, Brandon, there was, the, Brandon, the, just one more quick point, and I think this is kind of an interesting little bit of history. And, and I, I think with it was good and it was well intended, but we, the, the legislature, and this is before Senator Yoder was there, or I was there, however, we are there now, so we need to kind of fix it. Um, some years ago, there was a, what was referred to as, I think it was called criminal code reform, where they tried to keep the, uh, I guess, the, the least challenging offenders, the level six felons, uh, was decided to keep those at the local county jails. Um, and, th and that is something that is, has, I think, compounded this problem, because as, as Brandon pointed out, um, you know, our jails are, are not meant to be mental health facilities. And so my guess is that the Senator Yoder has probably heard it from from her sheriff there in Monroe County, just like I've heard it from every one of my sheriffs in the district. Uh, um, too many of the people that they are housing um, are are mental health challenges, not not criminal challenges per se. But yet they don't in, in jails they don't have the the, the means or the the wherewithal or the, the financing to provide that. Uh, that need. So so that goes back to hopefully through Senate Bill 1, we'll be able to provide uh, more funding that in, in community health centers uh, around the state. Um, and and uh, we may end up sending some of the criminals back to the, to the state prison system. But again, the state prison system can probably handle mental health issues better than all 92 county jails can. So that's just a little bit of background information that, that I think people might find find interesting. And we're, we're hopefully be able to, to try to work through those issues this session also and, and, and relieve the burden that has been placed upon our county jails for about the last oh, 10, 10 years, maybe 12 years or so. I think yeah, what Senator I'll, Bassler I'll, is... Go ahead, Senator. I think what Senator Bassler and I appreciate you really bringing this to light and coming back to it is this too is infrastructure. 
and we need to figure mm-hmm. out how we're going to build back <clears throat> our infrastructure to support Indiana's mental health. And for far too long, and we had we had a system, and then we really uh, defunded it, uh, turned it back to local communities to address it. Many of the local communities turned to more of a corrections approach to mental health, and that has not served Hoosiers well. So it is an investment in the infrastructure of mental health that we need to pay attention to, how we're going to fund that for the long term, build it out in the right now so that if we do pass Senate Bill 1, we have a plan going forward for individual communities to be able to respond to the great need that we are hearing uh, from from our constituents. Yeah, it's. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll just point out, a, a, um, Senator Bassler brings up the, the history of this, and I'll just point out the history of this is that um, a, a little more than a decade ago, Indiana was about to have to build a new state prison. Our, our prisons were bursting at the seams. And Governor Daniels, Mitch Daniels at the time, um, said, whoa, hold on, before we have to spend, you know, a billion dollars on a brand new prison facility, let's take a look at whether all of these people we're putting in state prisons really need to be there. And so that was the, the criminal code reform, uh, a commission of everybody involved in criminal justice um, came together and literally rebuilt the state's criminal code line by line to try and bring some some equity and parity, you know, that making sure that crimes of the same level were actually being treated the same. And yeah, the, the, the goal was to get those lowest level uh, of felons, which became level six, um, nonviolent offenders, especially first time offenders saying, hey, we don't need to send them to state prisons, which is only going to worsen the problem. We need to send them in back into the community. And, and the goal was when it was passed to send them into community corrections programs. And if they had mental health challenges into local treatment programs, the problem was there wasn't the follow through on funding and creating community corrections <laughs> and, and, and local mental health uh, treatment access. And so, yes, as Senator Bassett points out, and as Senator Yoder talks about, we just overloaded our county jails. That's all we mm. did uh, over the last decade. So this yeah. is, you know, that bill passed in 2013, 2023 comes around. We're, we're trying to really follow up on the promise of criminal code reform as it was originally meant. Yeah. I want to... Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I wanted to I wanted to ask a particular question about the funding that's out there and and uh, you know, recognizing I totally agree this is this is an investment and it's actually an investment in also in uh, providers of mental health services of which you know one of the issues is we don't have enough uh, people who are there to be able to respond to the needs and to provide the therapy and I'm just wondering how much of the discussion or the funding is looking particularly at the pipeline that we're developing here in the state for uh, having providers and therapists of perhaps from a variety of different professional backgrounds in a position to be in those local environments where they can actually provide services, assuming that we've got the funding to um, to have those facilities there. Is, is any of that funding aimed at that that kind of pipeline issue of providers yeah what one aspect of it um, reauthorizes what's what's referred to as the indiana behavior health commission um, and that would reauthorize until 2025 and and the 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 commission is tasked with assessing the current scope and availability of of behavior health services in indiana uh, and then maybe recommending ways to improve the services um, um and and this is a Again, this I, I realize that in larger communities, let's say Indianapolis and Evansville, maybe even you know um, Bloomington, Fort Wayne, and so forth, there's more access to mental health, but there are still you know significant shortages in our more metropolitan areas, and, and definitely in in rural Indiana. I represent six counties, you know, kind of south and west of uh, of Bloomington, and 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 they're all pretty small counties with with small county seats and. Uh, you, you talk to anybody, whether you're talking about you know school teachers, administrators trying to get um, mental health for for students, or again, you talk to sheriffs, you talk about to, to judges, to people that work in county uh, corrections or community corrections. Uh, it, it is a it is a struggle, and and I can't help but think, to your point, with uh, the, one of the conclusions of this commission is going to be that we need to somehow improve the pipeline uh, pipeline of the number of social workers, the number of um, 
you know, psychiatrists, uh, psychologists. Um, uh, I know that there are some good organizations, nonprofit organizations. One that comes to mind that's doing work in schools with respect to social workers. But uh, th- this is a, a challenge that has been developing for years, both both mental and physical. Um, and and I guess I've talked to some of my colleagues that we need to be in this for the long haul. We can't we can't do this funding for one year or two years, this two year budget, and then say, oh well, we tried, we didn't we didn't accomplish much uh, because we may not see the move the, the needle the needle move for you know four years, six years, eight years, and so we uh, hopefully Senator Yoder and I can kind of rally the troops on both sides of the aisle and on both sides of the building, both uh, the House and the Senate to see this is really a long-term commitment that, that we owe to the people of Indiana. Yeah, very <clears throat> much so. I, I want uh, we could probably spend the whole time here to, and very appropriately talking about the, the issues of mental health in the state, um, but it is obviously part of a larger picture of public health in general. And, and that in turn, I mean, some aspects of public health also uh, connect to environmental concerns because some of what mm-hmm. is obviously affecting physical health and mental health, frankly, is the quality of the environment of the environment, and I know Senator Bassler, you're this is uh, part of your um, and actually uh, both of you have have done work in the area of environmental uh, environmental work, and I just wonder if you could both comment on on where you see those those issues headed in this session. Well, this session I have a bill that actually was the end product of a group of young people who came together and wrote and have been working on something called the Climate Solutions Task Force that they started a couple of years ago. Uh, They filed it for the last several years, but continue making it better based on feedback that they receive and why it's not getting a hearing. I want to say that uh, I have been working with this group for the last year or so, and I carried it this year, and I've been working with my colleagues across the aisle to get it heard in committee, and I do think we're going to successfully get this bill heard. And, you know, it does connect to mental health in ways that young people, the hopelessness that I am hearing, I'm I'm in the classroom, And I hear from students, I am a mother as well, I hear from my children, this sense of why does it matter? Where, you know, what is happening with our environment, with the climate? Is there a plan and that sense of hopelessness? And what the Climate Solutions Task Force language does, not only does it sort of unsilo us and give Indiana a space to be able to talk about how we move forward in mitigating and adapting to the climate change in Indiana, but also it tells young people, you are part of this. You, you're the ones who will be living with this far longer than what we will. And let's find a way, and this is the way, to bring them to the table and say, we're listening to you and we want you to be a part of this. So I uh, am hopeful for that. And we're hearing I'm on both I am uh, on the Utilities Committee and on the Environment Committee. And these two areas intertwine remarkably. So we're doing uh, several different bills, and energy is a big part mm-hmm. of those. Um, and from renewables to um, how we're going to continue uh, using fossil fuels in Indiana moving forward. Senator Basler, do you want to add to that? You're, you're also on the Environment Committee. Yeah, sure. Just real briefly. Um, in, in fact, when um, I, the, the, the bill that the, the Senator Yoder authored, I, I can't remember, I don't recall bill numbers very well, but um, she authored uh, related to, I, was it a commission, Senator Yoder, that you're asking to put together with respect to the environment? The language is a task force. Task force, that's it, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I was pleased that uh, when I when I saw that, uh, I actually uh, asked, and, and you know, since Senator Yoder authored the bill, she uh She's got control over that, so uh, I think it was either this week or the week before that I asked if I could be one of the co-signers on that, and she allowed me to be on that because I think that's a that's a good start to to put together this task force to see what can be done. And I think I think you hit it on the head. The young people, uh, obviously, this is an important issue to them. The you know, high school kids, uh, college age uh, young people, um, and um, I don't know. Have you heard whether it's going to get a hearing yet, Senator Yoder? Yes, the chair of environment is Senator Niemeyer, and he's been very supportive. And I believe not this next, not next week, but the week after. So I think, I think that might be the twentieth. 
February 20th. Yeah. Well, we have a yeah, we have an environmental committee on on Monday morning. I'll 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 kind of put a bug in his ear on that too. Okay. Well, I'm going to ask you put a bug in all of your colleagues' ears because <laughs> uh, the 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 this group uh, the the effort to confront climate change. I mean, they have been just working so hard on this legislation, and they they would like to see it heard, of course, but also get through committee. So I've been working with some of our our colleagues on the Environment Committee just to get their feedback now to be able sure. to be prepared for some amendment language because I know that the uh, this group is very eager to make whatever changes need in order to build that coalition to successfully get this bill into law. We're talking about the state legislature today. We have uh, a guest in the studio, uh, Democratic Senator Shelley Yoder from Bloomington. We are joined on the phone by Senator Republican Senator Eric Bassler from Washington, Indiana, and in District 39, and also Brandon Smith, longtime State House Bureau Chief for Indiana Public Broadcasting. If you have questions or comments about this year's session, you can call us at 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or toll-free at 877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington area. You can also send us your questions, news at indianapublicmedia.org, and you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. I want to switch to education now. There are a lot of, lot of bills that have to do with education. Um, Senator Yoder, can you start with ones that you might support and ones that you hope don't get much traction? Well, we have some bills that just passed through the Senate. One was to create a financial literacy component in curriculum that our traditional public school children will have to complete upon gradu- uh, before graduating. And that w- that's a good bill. It has a lot of leeway for local uh, school corporations and school boards to decide what exactly do we want this to look like? So I, I appreciate that. Uh, that was authored by Senator Gaskell, and he worked very closely with the Teachers Association to give mm, deference to what local classrooms might need. So I appreciated that and was uh, honored to be a part of that as a co-author. So I'm excited about that. Some of the bills that I'm concerned about are expanding what are called educational savings accounts, which are really moving us to a universal voucher system in Indiana. And when we created the educational savings accounts two years ago, it was a very narrow approach. Uh, the approach was to provide students who were uh, special education students and their families other options. But now we are increasing that and from income eligibility to what's going to be covered and, and approved by the treasurer's office in in those uh, purchases has really been expanded and I have grave concern. Mm-hmm. All right, Senator Bassler on education. Yeah, um, let's see, I guess there, I know that there's, there's one specific bill that I think has to do with some deregulation, trying to ease up on some of the regulations that local schools have to, to get involved with. And uh, to a certain extent, my kind of my ideas have kind of evolved on this over the last eight years. Uh, uh, I'm getting less and less comfortable in, in the state legislature trying to micromanage the education process. Um, and, and you know, in, in many cases, these are my Republican colleagues that, that are wanting to, to micromanage that process. And my inclination is to just allow teachers to try to figure it out and allow administrators to try to figure it out they're they're the experts in these areas let's let's uh try not to to have too much dictation from above so my hope is that that's one bill that we'll be able to get through um and then I, i'm not as involved with policy issues on education as I, I i was at one time when i first got to the state house um so i'm not really familiar with other policy bills that might be coming through I am heavily involved on the funding side um, okay. uh, as part of the Appropriations Committee and then the, the K-12 Funding uh, Committee. But um, okay. that's one bill that I, I, at least is on my radar screen. It might be helpful to local schools to have some less rules and regulations to abide by. Let me ask Brandon Smith about uh, a couple of a couple of bills. I know there was a house. there's a House bill that talks about reinventing high schools. 
how um, would that bill is that bill gaining traction and oh and, absolutely yeah it, absolutely uh, it's it's one of the it's I think it's House Bill 1002 uh, it's their top priority other than uh, House Bill 1001 is always the, the state budget uh, every two years um, so this idea of rein, reinventing high school that's how Speaker Todd Houston has talked about it and the idea is to almost treat high school a little more like college so in the first couple of years of high school, you're getting all your core classes done and out of the way. And then the last couple of years of high school, trying to rethink what we're requiring students to do versus giving them a little more flexibility to choose what they're going to do based on what they want to do after high school. Some kids are going to go off to get a four-year degree. Some kids are going to go off to get a two-year degree or get a certification. Um, some kids are going to go almost directly into the workforce. And so the idea is um, we shouldn't have a one-size-fits-all kind of system for kids that are going to have a lot of different outcomes and paths that they want to take. So trying to, to provide a little more flexibility to focus on what's going to help you best in your next stage. Financial literacy was one of the things that was brought up as part of that that Senator Yoder mentioned uh, is, is really important. It's, it's, you know, do I need to take an advanced calculus class in high school if I'm going to become a plumber or do I need something like a financial literacy class? Not that calculus isn't important, but it might not be what I need for what I want to do next. Um, and also the idea of really involving more work-based learning opportunities. It's been a movement that I think Indiana and other states have been trying to do more, but really focusing on working with local businesses so that, you know, if I go to high school in, in you know, Monroe County or Rush County or Ripley County or wherever, connecting with the businesses that I might be going to work for to find out, okay, well, what sort of jobs are available right now where I want to live? And in order to get those jobs, what do I need to do as far as my education, both in high school and then afterwards? So really working with you know internships, work-based learning, um, and making more high school a little more flexible uh, to to be a, a pipeline for the workforce. Hey, Brandon, do you know if that that bill impacts the 21st Century Scholar Program? I don't. I, I haven't read every word of the bill. I know that there is a separate bill on the 21st Century Scholars Program. Uh, to do automatic enrollment in that. So 21st Century Scholars Program, which was created by Evan Bayh uh, some years ago now, obviously, when he was governor, um, this was a this is a program that will give you a, a free ride if you meet certain criteria, including income eligibility. You have to be below a certain level. Um, it's an absolutely fantastic program if you look at the outcomes. These kids do enormously well in terms of graduating and, and staying in Indiana and going on to high-paying jobs. The problem is you have to sign up for it in seventh or eighth grade. And I don't know about anybody else. I wasn't thinking about college when I was in seventh grade. I'll I was just... thinking about how awkward I was at school dances. So automatically enrolling anyone who's eligible in that um, would go a long way to making it more available for folks. I would just add to that 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 bill actually came out of committee, I believe, unanimously. Um, that's uh, Representative Harris and Representative Smith, I believe, in the House. And that is automatic enrollment into the 21st century uh, scholars. And it doesn't mean that parents, they can opt out. But instead of having it be an opt-in, which as a, as a parent, again, getting all that information at a time when you know, you're worried about you know, if you have more than one child, it's, it's very difficult to know. Now, what am I supposed to do and what documents do I need? It's, it's a brilliant move to strengthen the 21st century century scholarship program in Indiana. But I just want to say one thing about, yeah, in the eighth grade, you're thinking about dances. You're giving <laughs> them two more years to figure out what they want to do for the rest of their lives with reinventing high school. And I, I just think I, I can appreciate and I celebrate wanting to give uh, – to make school inspirational and exciting for, for for students. I also want to say, and for teachers to teach it, definitely I think that's important to, to be able to tap into that passion that teachers have that got them to the profession to begin with. But I, I, I just want to caution us that we don't become, I guess, that we don't begin looking at young people as just little workers, um, that we can, how quickly can we get them into the workforce, that we're looking at humanity as full people and not just careers or their professions. Uh, this is yeah, like a really important time in people's lives to expand and 
uh, develop critical thinking skills. And not that that cannot happen while thinking about your career, but I just want to caution us before we just look at young people and our high schools as you know, a launch pad, you know, that all we're going to do is just create workers. We are creating citizens, and I think we need to keep that focus on, um, on how we educate our young people. Senator Bassler? Yeah, you know, I think it makes, uh, I'd, I'd be very supportive of the, the, the 25th, 21st century scholar idea because, and this is a more of a personal experience I had, and people that know me well will know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, no one young young man, um, and there's no doubt in my mind that, that he would qualify uh, as a 21st century scholar, um, but yet he didn't didn't sign up for it in seventh or eighth grade whenever he needs whenever he needed to, and and I don't know you know so somebody dropped the ball maybe it was a parent that dropped the ball maybe it was a, a teacher I I have no idea who but dropped the ball but but if 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 we did have the um, have it be kind of an automatic process when you're in eighth grade let's say. Um, then at least at least he signed up and and maybe he takes advantage of it maybe he doesn't uh, but here 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 we are now the, the young man's in high school and and it's it's a shame because um, he, he's in a situation where he could have used that financial support should he decide to go on to college and it sure seems like he's going to maybe a two-year degree maybe a four-year degree but yet yet he missed that opportunity because because he didn't know any better when he was in eighth grade um, yeah. and then as far and so that's why I asked Brandon that one question I had heard that um, this reimagining in high school had to do one of the one of the impacts was that was going to be the, the elimination of the 21st century scholar program and and again maybe that was totally um, my, my misunderstanding maybe that's not part of the bill at all but boy that would that would give me pause and I would sure want to see that be modified if that was going to be part of it because I would prefer to go the way of, of automatic sign up for it than, than the elimination of it. Um, so just just some thoughts. <clears throat> I was going to say that it was reminding me of something I read recently that that uh, kind of at an, an older stage when students are getting ready to think about college that a lot of families don't fill out the the FAFSA the federal um, mm-hmm. federal aid process it, and it's 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 a it's a confusing form having having dealt with it as a parent myself and they're leaving you know millions of dollars in scholarships on the table so I mean it's it is it those kinds of just basic barriers to families getting the support they need uh, are real and so yes the, that automatic enrollment piece is, is you know seems to me to be transformative I, I want let me to, I'm sorry let me sure. let me just jump in real fast to, to something Senator Bassler just asked about which was um, what House bill 1002 the reimagining high school bill has to do with 21st century scholars it does mention it but what it does is it allows you to use the uh, 21st century scholarship uh, program. Um, it allows you to use it for things other than uh, going to colleges and universities. So training by an employer or getting a, a labor organization, um, you know, getting a certificate or a, an accreditation, that sort of thing. So it just expands the use of those dollars. No, that's that's great information. I, I thought that it eliminated, but good, good information. Thanks, Brandon. Yeah, I, I wanted to just we as we uh, come into the last uh, last bit of our program, um, sort of going with with this focus on young people and children to talk a bit more about uh, support to families and, and particularly around child care. And I know this isn't uh, particular an issue for Senate Democrats and, and for you, Senator Yoder, and I wondered if you can talk about what's going on there with respect to things like paid parental leave and, uh, and, and helping to bolster our child care economy. Yes, so we uh, are focused on expanding access to child care and definitely making it more affordable. And we're hearing this throughout Indiana, that this is a, a, a real uh, issue and need, not only for families, but employers are having a hard time, uh, whether it's you know, having employees with sick children or keeping employees because uh, parents need to return home to care for children. So we have... A couple of different bills that have been filed. I filed a child care tax credit. There is an approach to give that tax credit to businesses, to employers, to be able to offer this as a benefit. So maybe it will be on-site or maybe it's not, but they offer uh, some assistance to their employees and then the businesses receive the tax credit. I mean, I think it's good to put it into the pockets of families if they're going to be paying for it. 
I, I'm a little hesitant to have employers take on one more thing. We also we all already look to them to sort of manage the healthcare aspect of this in our uh, in our country, and so adding one more additional layer of uh, childcare benefits just has you know causes me to uh, take a pause. But I do think there are several bills we have not had any uh, come to the floor for a second reading, but anticipate that we probably will. I know Senator Kyle Walker has a bill that he and I have been talking because his is a more of an employer-based, and, and we've been talking about that just because I want to learn which direction would be the best for Indiana. But certainly, we need a direction because child care access is, is a serious issue. Yeah, sure. I wanted to, Brandon. I wanted you to weigh in on any any bills or any movement you've seen in the area of affordable housing. Housing is an issue that is huge at the local level. I wonder how the legislature is handling that. Yeah, there are a few bills moving on housing. That a lot of this came out of uh, a housing task force that was done uh, last summer, a bipartisan group, and then brought together folks from you know, uh, builders and uh, apartment association and and uh, Habitat for Humanity and local government leaders and anybody who sort of touches this 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 world. And uh, there, like I said, there's several bills moving. I'd say the biggest one right now uh, is um, it, it would create a revolving loan fund, because one of the things we heard in the task force is one of the biggest costs to building new housing is infrastructure. So that's connecting the water and sewer systems into new housing developments and things like that. And that's something that that the builders pay and then pass on to the people who are buying the house. And and uh, we heard one number that that would that that cost of infrastructure adds about fifty seven thousand dollars to the cost of every new home. And so what we're uh, what the House bill does is it creates a revolving loan fund that the state would set up, put uh, money into it one time, and then it you know replenishes itself, and it would send that money to local governments to um, pick up the cost of that infrastructure for new housing developments and lower the cost to build, lower the cost to then buy. And that's one of the solutions, I think, one that everybody kind of rallied around, certainly out of the task force, uh, to address the cost of housing. But there are a few things moving through the General Assembly on that front. And again, I think all four caucuses certainly see this as a priority uh, from a number of different areas, including workforce. Increasingly, what companies tell us are, yeah, your tax climb is good, but so are a lot of states. What we're looking for is, are you going to have the workers we need for our business and are they going to have a place to live and especially in more rural areas the answer is no uh, it's certainly no to affordable housing and so this is something that i think everybody's kind of rallying around as as a as a must need for the future of our state and on the republican side um, senator bassler supporting law enforcement and ensuring public safety is one of the senate republicans points and i know that um, in governor uh, Holcomb's agenda. He always he also talks about salary inc increases for state police troopers. Uh, what kind of bills are moving forward in that broad area of um, your agenda? Yep, there's a, there's a couple of items. Uh, one one does have to do with increasing the the salary for state police officers, um, and, and I think I think we've seen it in just about every field you can imagine. Uh, Indiana is is struggling to have enough employees to whether it has to do with being teachers or administrators or police officers or doctors or nurses whatever the case would be and it's it's no different with state police officers and we're wanting to try to keep that to be a, a competitive uh, salary a competitive career from a financial perspective so we're looking at uh, increasing the, the the matrix that is used to determine a state police officers pay I know there's another bill, the author's name slips me right now, uh, that has to do with um, uh, police officer pensions um, and, and improving those. Uh, I just literally was talking with a retired police officer this morning, and he talked about retiring 20 years ago, and his pension uh, has not had a cost of living adjustment. But we all know that things are more expensive today than they were 20 years ago. So I know there's one specific bill um, that, that has to do with improving uh, pensions for uh, for state police officers. Um, I don't know where uh, I don't know off the top of my head where either of those bills bills are, but I do think uh, that the one with respect to police pay uh, 
it'll either likely either end up in the budget or else as a as, as a separate bill. I, w- I wonder if we were coming into the last, I think, five minutes of our program and wanted to touch on a, a couple of other issues that I know are um, important to, uh, well, obviously to Senator Yoder and to the Democratic Caucus, which has to do with marriage protections for same-sex marriage, uh, some of the debate obviously this summer around um, reproductive rights touched on some concerns that might be um, that might have triggered. I wonder where where that stands, if you can comment on that. I know that my uh, colleague new to the Senate, Senator Hunley, has filed a bill to to codify those profe- uh, protections in in Indiana law, but um, I'm not sure uh, if it's going to get a hearing, unfortunately. She, she's been working that bill hard, but um, I, I don't it, it's not on the calendar for next week, so we're down to the last couple of weeks yeah. before we switch. We start hearing the House bills, and the House hears the Senate bills. But it is a priority for uh, the Senate Democratic Caucus uh, to protect these these freedoms. And you know, at what we did learn this summer is pretty much anything can be uh, don't you know don't take for granted your freedoms because. Uh, they can be taken from you, and so we need to make sure that we are doing all that we can to protect our LGBTQ siblings, and uh, allyship and advocacy is the least we can do. Yeah, yeah, and as you commented earlier on reproductive rights, those are still, those remain um, obviously uh, very much a priority and uh, obviously a priority for an awful lot of Hoosiers. Um, maybe the the last uh, topic might be um, legalizing marijuana. That's another topic that's come up. And, uh, and again, I'll ask Senator Yoder to speak first, but Senator Bassler, you may want to comment as well. So this sure. has been a, a, an initiative for the Senate Democratic Caucus for a number of years. Uh, I am on the Commerce and Technology, and I spoke with the chair, and I think we'll be hearing a bill, but it's coming over from the House. And he didn't mention the number, so I'm not sure which one, but he was entertaining looking at one of the bills that have been uh, filed. And I'm curious to hear, Senator Bassler, what do you hear in your caucus? Yeah, I think that um, it'll be interesting how this all kind of works out. My Maybe this is an example of, of politics makes strange bedfellows, um, because I know that there's a, a number of um, members of our caucus that, first of all, would would be very open to the idea of, of medical marijuana. Um, I, I think there would be significantly fewer that would be uh, in support of recreational. Uh, but having said that, uh, I know one person, a member of the House, that is probably one of the most conservative members of the House. Um, you know, he's been to Colorado and he studied it. And he's he's a big proponent of, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, uh, medical and, and recreational. Um, uh, also, I know that a lot of the um, uh, the armed services organizations, such as the American Legion and, and VFW and, and organizations like that, which, you know, generally you, you, you see them as maybe being maybe right of center, but they tend to be, you know, very supportive of at least medical marijuana because, I think there, um, there's, um, they believe that it could help, uh, especially with you know PTSD uh, when mm-hmm. people come back from um, military engagements around the world. Um, my gut instinct is 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 that medical uh, would have a chance of passing. I, I don't think the recreational would at this time, uh, but we'll have to how, have to see how it plays out. I know there's a significant number of states in the country. Um, you know, both both red states and blue states and purple states uh, that, that have varying degrees of legalization of, of marijuana. So we'll see how it plays out in Indiana. I know that there's, those states are surrounding us and it sort of is full circle in this conversation today because we start off on discussing our overcrowded jails and prisons. And so many of those who are in those spaces are there because of possession of marijuana charges. And, you know, there's, there's another avenue in which we can, you know, free up that incredible expense on local communities and on taxpayers. Uh, so we've got a lot of work to do when it comes to marijuana legalization. Brandon, where are the fireworks going to be in the next few weeks? 
<laughs> oh, there's always fireworks. Um, we'll start to see. Uh, we'll start to see the House. We'll see the House Republican budget proposal here in the next couple of weeks um, as the committee deadline approaches, and and that'll certainly kick off more of uh, things that have touched all of the conversations we've had today. But um, I'll also say that in terms of the kind of fireworks that aren't always necessarily positive, but nevertheless there is, um, I think we're going to have a debate about gender affirming care for trans kids here coming up. And uh, unless it's unlike literally every other state that has delved into this, it's not going to be pretty. Uh, it's going to be ugly. And um, I think it's something that's going to suck up a lot of oxygen in the building for a little while. But um, but we'll see what comes out at uh, the end of uh, this is a long session and it is a long session. So we'll see what comes out at the very end. <laughs> All right. We've got just a little bit of time to go. So I want to ask uh, Senator Yoder and Senator Bassler, your highest priority going forward in the next. Uh, yeah, I know you've got several priorities, but if you could pick one thing that you really want to focus on. Well, I want to make sure that uh, when it comes to successfully getting these bills to address mental health, physical health, reproductive health, that they actually are successful and have adequate funding in order to accomplish what they intend to accomplish. So those are some of my big priorities. I mean, I'm going to put a little plug in. I sure would like to repeal that tax on menstrual products. Uh, it's, it's a ridiculous way that uh, Indiana makes money when it's a no fault of any young person who has or, or older person who has who's, who menstruates. I mean, why would we ever make money off of someone's period? So that's a, a priority of mine as well. We'll see where that goes. But we certainly have a lot of work to do. Senator Bassler, last minute is yours. Yeah, my my, my focus for the last several budget sessions has, has been K-12 education funding. Um, so that, that'll be uh, something I'm heavily involved with. Um, and then also this year for the first time, pretty have, pretty involved with the um, higher ed funding. Um, and, you know, K-12 makes up about 50% of the budget. Higher ed funding makes up about 13 or 14% of the budget. So I'm a financial advisor in, in my private life, so I tend to deal with a lot of things related to numbers. So those will be my focus for the next several weeks. All right. I want to thank our guest today, Senator Eric Bassler, a Republican from Indiana's uh, District 39, Senator Shelley Yoder, a Democrat from District 40, and Brandon Smith, State House Bureau Chief for Indiana Public Broadcasting. For co-host Lori McRobbie, for our engineer Mike Paskash, and for our producers Nathan Moore and Kathy Knapp, I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Production support for Noon Edition comes from Smithville. Fiber internet, streaming TV, home security, and automation in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com. And from Bloomington Health Foundation, providing financial support to the community for 55 years, promoting healthier lives and the advancement of future health care in our region, working together for a healthier tomorrow. More at bloomhf.org. And from Estate and Downsizing Specialists, LLC, offering complete turnkey services for estate and downsizing clients, from initial consultation through home cleanout to final real estate and personal property sales. More at edsindiana.com.